Hello, church family. Uh, this is Ezra, chapter 7, part 2 of our study. Uh, you recall uh, yesterday we talked about uh, just the life of um, Ezra. He just appears in this chapter out of nowhere. And I think it's kind of cool because uh, it just shows how important he is that uh, this book has 10 chapters and, uh, and he doesn't show up till the last three. Um, and it just, and again, he, it's just because of his, uh, his faithfulness to the Lord that he becomes such a prominent figure in the Old Testament. Uh, we talked about how um, Ezra is someone that is used by God uh, mightily, and um, we're going to draw from this book or this chapter some principles uh, for us so that if we want to be used by God mightily, uh, we need to uh, exhibit these things as well. And so the first one is that we need to exhibit godly character. Um, Ezra is um, was someone that, that knew his stuff. He knew God's word. In the beginning, you see all this genealogy and um it's unique, too, because, uh, you know, the, the, the role of the priest was that they were supposed to teach their sons, and their sons will teach their sons. So Ezra, in a lot of ways, did have a good genealogy because his parents, uh, who you can trace the line all the way back to the first high priest, uh, they taught themselves. Uh, they taught their sons. They taught their sons and their sons taught their sons and their sons taught their sons. And they eventually get down to Ezra. Ezra um, said he's a son of Sariah. And what's important about the name Sariah here? in chapter 7, verse 1, is that he was really the last high priest before the exile. Uh, in Second Kings and even Second Chronicles, you see that uh, the Babylonians went in, they killed him, but they let the, his sons live. And those kids are the ones that, um, those kids are the ones that, are, um, that keep the line going. That's where Ezra comes from. Um, and, you know, we see this in the, in, the, in the New Testament as well, where someone like Timothy, who was taught uh, by his, his mom, his grandmother, uh, at a young age, and he was able to uh, um, when he got saved, he was able to be used by God mightily because of the knowledge that was passed down to him. And Ezra, he was known as someone that's skilled in the law of Moses. Uh, I said yesterday that skill is this idea of like fast or quick. Uh, he 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 looks at a situation in life. He knows what the the, the godly principles are. And he knows how to act. He just he doesn't just have this intellectual knowledge of um, of of God's word, but he knows how to apply it. And it's because of that, uh, uh, God's hand was, off, was upon him in verse 6. In fact, this phrase, the good hand of his God, it actually applies. Every time you see this word show up from here on out, it's always a tribute to Ezra. Because of Ezra's faithfulness, he, um, uh, he was used by God in a, in a, in a, in a magnificent way. Uh, jumping down to verse 9, it says, Because the good hand of God was upon him for Ezra, and what's important about this is like uh, the reason why God's hand was upon him was because of these things. And this is where we're going to spend most of the time here in verse 10. For Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it and to teach his statutes and ordinances in Israel. Ezra wasn't uh, someone that spent all his time just uh, um, you know, wasting his life. It said that he set his heart to study this word set here. It's often used in the Old Testament to describe building something like he set a foundation or he set the walls up or something like that. Uh, but Ezra here was not setting like a building. That wasn't his job. Um, his job, or at least he made his, his life goal, to set his heart to teach and uh, to, to learn and study um, God's word. Uh, he, he devoted everything to it. Um, and this word heart, I think in our culture we use things like uh, is like the emotional side, uh, and that's kind of true, but not really. But this is actually more about the intellect. 
Um, he set his mind to study God's word. He wanted to know all that there is. It's, a, it's an intellectual engagement of God's word. And that's important for us to know because the world sometimes think of us as foolish. And they think of us as foolish because we don't think about the things that we read in the book, in the Bible. Is it how it was possible? Um, and I think part of the reason why our culture, um, and especially our Christian culture, are biblically illiterate is because we're not engaging God's word with our mind. Uh, oftentimes when you're reading God's word, we're just kind of reading it because it's a checklist. Or if you're studying it, you're only studying it because it's uh, something you need to do. Or when we go to Sunday school or when we hear the sermons, um, it's something that uh, you need to, it's not just sitting there that makes you faithful. It's actually thinking about how, uh, what does God's word have to say and how I can apply it to my life. You set your your heart, your mind to studying God's word. And this word study here, um, I'm not a fan of studying, but I, I think this word was convicting on what and how, how Ezra used the word study. If you look at the NASB on the side, it says the word seek. And I think the word study here and seek, I think seek sometimes could be a, a better translation depending on how you think about it. But this word study here, it's this idea of like a hunter chase, uh, hunting its prey. Uh, they throw their entire body into the, they listen to the sounds uh, of a, like rustling of leaves or they, they try to look far uh, and, and look at footsteps or things that, um, you know, to, to track the animal or, or uh, you know, they walk in a certain way, they run, they have all the things that they need to be able to seek their prey. And this is what Ezra is doing. He set his mind to study and to seek the law of God. This means that he devoted his time into just diving into God's word, trying to figure out how he is supposed to live according to God. He wants to live in such a way that's pleasing to him, and he does that by looking into the word of God. Uh, So he studied the law of God, the law of the Lord. And this is, uh, I don't think this is just strictly the verse 5 book of the Bible. Again, as I said, I think at this point, there are maybe one or two books left uh, in the Old Testament, and it's done. So he's like studying through everything, uh, from the Torah to the um, to the poetry to the uh, the history of the Old Testament. He did his he did all that he can to know everything there is to know. And just a thought for us: How much of the Bible do you know? Um, I'm not just speaking strictly of the Old Testament. Of the 66 books in our Bible, how many of them do you know? Uh, even generally what it's about, what's the important themes of the Bible. Uh, if someone was to ask you to even name the list all 66 books, would you be able to do so? Do you know just this, the general like locations of things in the Bible? That's just like t- surface level things. Uh, what do we get dive deeper? If, they, if people have questions about the Bible, where does the Bible say that speaks about homosexuality? Where does the Bible say about divorce? Where does the Bible say about how uh, kids are supposed to be at home, what does it say about how parents are supposed to be, what about singleness, or whatever topic that comes up, do you have a grid in your mind on where you need to go, or where the Bible speaks on this topic? Um, And if you don't, are you going to set your heart to try to find these things out? It's very easy for us in our culture to just use technology as a means to justify why why you don't need to study, you just Google something. Um, but that that could only go so far because at some point you do need to teach it to other people. Uh, you need to be able, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Um, but also, like having uh, knowing how to Google search Bible verses doesn't make it doesn't mean that you're actually practicing it, which actually is what it says later. Um, Ezra set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to practice it. Uh, so practice is exactly that. It's, he's a doer of God's word. 
He doesn't just uh, study it um, for sake of studying. Um, studying for him, studying the Word of God for him isn't strictly an intellectual exercise. It goes beyond that. It's, it's him looking at God's Word and thinking, how am I supposed to live this out? How am I supposed to walk in a manner that's worthy of the Lord? He, he thinks about these things, and then when the situation comes, he knows how to act. He knows how to think. He knows how to engage the world because he has God's Word hidden in his heart. Uh, and we know that the more uh, God's Word is in our mind, that doesn't necessarily change our heart. Uh, it doesn't change our practice. I mean, it is, uh, you know, one of the dangers of being in our church in particular is that we have a church that really teaches the Bible. And um, we, do, we, we have a high emphasis on teaching, um, but high amount of teaching should cause us to have a um, higher way of living as well. Um, our life should be different. It should be in relative to what we know of God's word. If you, if you ever wonder why people act sinfully in our church, it is because uh, they are not applying God's word to their mind, with the first with their mind, and then practicing it. I think sometimes in our church too, we think, oh well, I don't want to be like a Pharisee. I don't want to be a legalist. I don't want to set all of these rules. Otherwise, um, uh, I'll be like a Pharisee. But you have to understand, the Pharisees. Uh, they were people who knew God's word and they didn't do God's word. That's actually wrong. That's why they're called Pharisees. They they boasted about their knowledge, but their life was different from it. So you can be someone that actually knows God's word and, and not act it like it, and you actually are more in line with the Pharisee than you are with Jesus Christ. Um, you need to know God's word and then apply it to your life. Knowing God's word it means nothing. First uh, Corinthians tells us that knowledge puffs up. Just because you have a grasp of scripture, it does not mean anything. It doesn't sanctify you just because you know where things are. That The things that you read in, in, in your Bible should be transferred from the pages to your mind, and it should impact your heart. It should change you. Um, that is why the longer you're in the church, if you're stunted in your maturity, it is not because the church is not teaching the Bible, uh, at least for, for, for our church at SFBC. It's because you're not applying God's word into your life. I jokingly say that if we all just did God's word, there will be no need for biblical counseling. Um, in fact, every time we preach, it's a, it's, it's a form of counseling in that we're teaching the masses of God's word. If you cherish those in your heart and you apply it to your life, then really there is no need uh, for counseling. Counseling is really for pastors and elders to teach people how to apply God's word into your life. We're encouraging people to do what you should know from Scripture or teach you things that you may not know so that you can apply it to your life. Um, and for all of us, and with, you know, even looking at Ezra, he was someone that knew God's word, he practiced it. And not only that, but he taught it. Uh, and we see at the end, and to teach his statutes and ordinances in, in Israel. Um, this is really uh, similar to what we've always been trying to do in our churches, to make a disciple-making church. And what that means is that we're teaching someone. I think sometimes we think, that only pastors are supposed to do discipleship, and that's not true. We do do, do discipleship. There are people in each of their pastors' lives where we're pouring out into some someone else and we're being poured into by others, uh, but that should be for everyone in the church. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you should always want someone to pour into you, and there should always be someone else that you want to pour out into because you love the things of the Lord. You want to see how God's Word uh, change and impact other people, and you want uh, God's word uh, to be made known. You want God to be glorified in the life of others, so you spend your time teaching other people. Um, 
I don't really care which type of fellowship group you're in. I don't really care what kind of um, small group Bible study you're in. Just be part of something, whether it's one-on-one discipleship, men's ministry, whatever, women's ministry. Be part of something. Be uh, be uh, in a place where you're being taught God's word and then grow, uh, be faithful in it so that you're able to teach other people. Uh, of course, you have to practice it too. Once you live out God's word, you'll know how God how to apply God's word into your life and you can teach others as well. So the same as... Uh, what Jesus expects of us in Matthew 28, we're called to make disciples of all nations, teaching everyone um, uh, the, the law of the Lord. So teach them all that all of Jesus' commandments. Um, and I wonder if we were to die today, how many of us can say, hey, I've led these people to Christ, or I spent my life pouring out into these individuals so that they can either love the Lord or come to know the Lord. Um, and this is how the, these are the type of people that God uses. God uses people, first and foremost, seek uh, him through his word with all their heart and their mind. They practice it, and then they go and teach other people. And this is, again, this this isn't strictly for pastors. This is for for everyone. Every single one of us should be learning, applying, and then teaching others. There is always someone in our life that we can teach God's word. This is the kind of person that God uses. Now, does this describe you? Does this describe, are you someone that is... um, marked by your devotion to God's word, to, to knowing God's word, living out God's word, and teaching it to others. In fact, here's my challenge to all of you. If you were to ask someone to describe you, will it be marked by any of these three things? Would, would you be marked by someone who is studying God's word, or a doer of God's word, or teaching God's word? Um, you should have all these three, but maybe uh, one is highlighted more than the other. But if you have none of these things, then that should be very, then you should really evaluate what are you known as, because this is Ezra's reputation. Ezra's reputation was he's known as someone devoted to the Lord. And look, he isn't just strictly a priest. Remember, he had some sort of uh, public uh, life, uh, public, like, you know, he had some sort of uh, role in society where he was able to get uh, the king to, um, to listen to him. Uh, so whatever civic duty he had, uh, what he was known for was his uh, devotion to the Lord. And I wonder if that's you. I'm not saying that everyone should be pastors. Um, well, for one thing, women can't be pastors. But for everyone else, uh, you know, what are you known for? Uh, you could be a mom. You could be a father. You could be a student. You could be whatever. But these things should all come secondary and relative to being uh, known as you're devoted to the Lord. And that's what I hope uh, that you strive to be. You, uh, hopefully you strive to be someone that has known by their devotion to, to God. God uses those who seek to know him, who seek to live like him, and also to make him known to other people. And God is with those that have godly character. And this is true. Um, and this is a, was a mark of a, of a Christian, um, that they're devoted to the Lord. And God will use those mightily because there's affections that everything they do is devoted to one thing, and that is the glory of our God. Um, so that's today. Uh, the lesson that we learned for today is that if you want to be used by God mightily in this world, in this fallen world, the first thing you must have is godly character. I hope that today's message is encouraging and convicting. It was definitely so for me uh, every time I read this. Um, and I hope that uh, you, we all together strive to live in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. Thanks for listening. Uh, tomorrow we're going to look at how a godly person isn't just only, the person that God uses isn't someone only just someone that has godly character, but they actually do things with their life, that they go beyond 
the comfort zone, the act on what uh, the act in faith. Um, we see that in the life of Ezra as well. Uh, thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow.